It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, Shatari Fun No Go Hunting. And mandatory minicamp has kicked off for the Falcons, and there are some heavy hitters who are back on the field, and they are ready to do a couple of things that we've been telling you guys that we are here for. And last but not least, and for the culture, say it ain't so sleepy. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day One your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in five minutes, would we really feel like Marcel Azuna would be a piece that we would actually miss at this point in the season? Ooh, but first, we got to talk about Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, Minnesota Vikings defensive end. He, he is a guy that, you know, is not too satisfied with his contract, and he's been mulling over some things trying to figure out how he can get paid, right? So, you know, I start, you know, thinking about, thinking about it from a standpoint of, okay, Atlanta Falcons are sitting pretty situated at that edge spot, right? But I think that, you know, when you're talking about adding pieces – and, and being able to, you know, bring some value in, I really feel like Daniil Hunter is probably a guy that Terry Fontenot should pick up the phone and give a call. What say you? Yeah, I, I would say the same. I mean, at this point, yes, the, the linebacker core, the defensive, you know, that whole front seven is loaded. We'll, we'll just call it guys a Guys who can rush the passer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah exactly. that's what we're calling that. <laughs> yes, exactly, because pass rush matters. And that's what all we want to do is say, hey, can we get another guy in the room to affect the quarterback, right? right? And oftentimes players need just a fresh start. And then they can go back to showing you exactly who they are, what they could be. We're talking about a guy who had – 46 solo tackles, 10 and a half sacks, a forced fumble, 10 and a half sacks, 10 and a half sacks, 10 and a half sacks. Did I say it enough times, Jarvis? 10 and 14 and a half, 14 and a half. Like, a lot of sacks. Yeah, that's a lot of sacks. He was literally in 2022 tied for 22nd in the league. He had what? Half as many as the entire Falcons football defense in 2022. There it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you look at him and you start stacking the deck and one of the things Arthur Smith mentioned, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it in the deep dive, is that desire to have players who are versatile, versatile, excuse me, and available because we know that your best ability is your availability. And we know that there were times where Jarvis, we could talk front seven. We can talk back end. We can talk any position group across the Falcons. And how many times did we say, wow, as soon as they started getting momentum, decimated with injury, decimated. So, yeah, picking up the phone to see if Daniil Hunter would be interested in a conversation, a visit, if not joining the Falcons, absolutely would be the right move for the Falcons to make. And, and when you think about the, he's on a, he's on a, essentially has one year left on his contract. I think mm-hmm. a little bit over five million. He's old, yes. so they, you don't have to necessarily worry about that. However, I think one of the things that that's going to get this deal done 
if they have that conversation about him getting a contract. And I think that I don't know if the Falcons, you know, are wanting to get into a long-term deal because we know they, they sign in the one-year guys like Bud Dupree and Calais Campbell and all that stuff. But I really feel like they're at a point now where you probably need to look at, especially at that at a premier spot, as yes. edge rusher, defensive end, outside linebacker, whatever hell you want to call them, guys who can yes. put the quarterback on the ground, mm-hmm. I don't mind you jumping into a, a long-term deal with a guy like that at yeah, this I juncture. say the same. Right, because yeah. if he's listed technically as a will linebacker and Lorenzo Carter is technically your will linebacker, and it was interesting because it felt like one of the things Arthur Smith talked about with Ade Ogundeji yesterday was, mm-hmm. you know, still wanting to see him improve. There's opportunity there, but it's pretty clear he might be what we'll call sort of a rotational situational Absolutely. type guy, right? Yes. So if so if 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 Zoe is what you got and Ade is what you got. And technically, Daniil, although he can play here and there and everywhere, if he's listed as Will, you need a real Will. You mm-hmm. might want to go after that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that right now, you know, there are some some situations where you're looking at guys around the league as to, you know, what, what you can add. And I think that in just a little small piece here, even like, for example, Devin White, you know, he's guys that wants to be traded. You know, and it, people are probably saying, like, Jarvis, Tanisha, like, wait a minute. We have a, a lot of uh, stand-up linebackers. You know, we got some young guys we want to see. It's about adding talent. And, and, and yeah. Arthur Smith has said over and over again, and I'm, I'm wholeheartedly on board with this, it's all about competition. And when you're bringing yes. in guys that you know what they bring to the table, that's what they've been able to do, right, with these one-year deals. Veteran guys, yeah. you pretty much know what, they're, what you're going to get. And I don't have a problem with you bringing in those guys to necessarily raise the game of the young guys that you already have on the roster. So (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at with it, T. Like, Terry Fondo, add as much talent as you possibly can because we know how horrible they've been. I I hate to use that word. They've been horrible at rushing the passer these past couple years. But you're absolutely right. That's the right word, Jarvis. We can't. That one is can't one we can't yet. sugarcoat yeah. and will right. not. And granted, Devin White's a little more expensive, about 18 to 23 mil, according to what ESPN is estimating. But again, right. he's also someone whom you've seen twice a year for the last several years, and you've seen what kind of impact he can have on the game. And put in the right situation with the right defensive coordinator, veterans around him, the competition in the room alone, all of those things might still bode fair for the Falcons who still have a lot of money that they're able to work with. And like you said, you can keep sprinkling maybe, you know, the one year prove it deals here and there, but at some point, if you're going win now coupled mm-hmm. with win future, then you got a guy, you look, you have to look at guys like Devin White and Daniil Hunter because they can give you a little bit of both, you know, they can give you a little bit of win now, but they can possibly be pieces for the future. Yeah. that, that That's exactly what, you know, what you need to be at this space right now. And when in the Falcons, according to over the cap, they're probably about $10 million in cap space. So, Hey, they probably could work out a little deal with mm-hmm. the deal. Hunter. I would absolutely love that. But yeah, but T I think one of the things that has been kind of amazing to me, I think I could use that word, you know, when it comes to what Marcelo Zuna has been able to do since, since the wow. month of May, like we know how he started March and April. He was absolutely terrible. Like, his um, batting never started with a zero, and he kind of floated around at things. But ever since the beginning of May, he has been the best 
hitter on this team. Yes, I said that. He's the best hitter from a number standpoint and from an average standpoint on this team since the month of since the month beginning of May. And yeah, we do have Ronald Acuna, we do have Ozzy Albies, we do have Matt um, Olson on this team. So yeah, that's a big statement. So I just think right now, when when he got hit on his wrist tee on Monday, I started to literally think I was like, man. Like, what are they going to do without Marcelo Zuna the way he's playing right now? And, and for me to be having that thought at this point in the season, given how he started, T, like, isn't that like a, a huge plus for the for the Atlanta Braves right now, for Marcelo Zuna to be contributing at this at this clip? Yes. I, I This is one of those situations where sometimes I wish I could just – sit with Alex Anthopoulos and figure out how his, how his mind works. And right. even you know, Brian Sticker's a patient guy as well, but for them to just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there until Marcel Ozuna finally caught up to himself and finally got nine of his 13 home runs in the month of May and right. now has 29 RBI. And like you said, that OPS number has jumped to 828 and we laugh at, you know, a um, an average jumping to 246. But like you said, when the average had been hovering at 0. .0 dot, 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 for the entire first part of the season, now we're having a conversation where you had a collective gasp about mm -hmm. the possibility that yeah. this guy was going to be out for any extended period of time. That speaks volumes. And now we're hearing more positive things as well. Not that we'd ever heard any negative things about him in the clubhouse. Let me just make that clear. But to hear the conversation that he had and the impact that he had on Michael Harris II, yeah. who said, hey, you're next to a bats. That's where your season starts. And you start to see Michael Harris II taking that seriously and saying, yeah, I can go out there and I can reset myself. Sometimes those are things that we don't know until we know them, right? right. So those are things that I'm sure there are more examples of that AA knew about, that SNIT knew about, that made them say, you know what? Yeah, he can be a lot to deal with with that stuff he does off the field. But for what he's doing for this clubhouse and now again at the plate, whew, we'll take our chances on Ozone. Ozone, as you call him. Or are, are we allowed? Jarvis, has he has he regained his nickname? Yes, I'm, I, I've been hesitant. I'm glad you brought it up because I've been a little hesitant about, you know, calling him that. Because, you know, a lot of times when I'm on Twitter looking at the game and stuff like that, my guy Ozone out here, like I'm starting to get that Ozone feeling. Like it's coming, it's starting to feel, finally come back. And I think, you know, with this injury kind of confirms like, you know what? You know, I don't want to see him miss any time. Like, yeah. so, but, you know, it, it is cool to know that he was yesterday, you know, although the Braves got rained out, he was available to pinch hit. So that yeah. is a good sign going forward. And Brian Snicker was actually kind of surprised that he was available as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, no, you, you're absolutely right. It was very, very exciting because, again, in that Monday game, <clears throat> he only had one at bat, but he made something work with it. At least he got one hit out of it. And then you go back to the Washington series, and he just continued on his tear. And, again, the home runs, nine home runs in the month of May, that tells part of the story, but also getting hits, driving in runs, that tells the story as well. So at this point, Jarvis, where you may need your bats to do the talking for you when you're not quite sure what you're going to get out of your pitching rotation, mm -hmm. you need him to be in that lineup. Absolutely. And we need you to stick around because, you know, Tanitra was out there uh training camp yesterday. Arthur Smith talked about – he gave some names as to – who will be who's not there, but they will be ready for training camp. We'll talk about that next. But first, 
I have to let you know that this episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook because it is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what, guys? You guys have been rocking with us Monday through Friday. ATL Day Ones is number one in your heart. I need you to make FanDuel.com number one in your heart as well as far as your go-to sports book. The NBA playoffs just wrapped up. Guess what, guys? The baseball season is rolling and it's rocking and rolling. So guess what? They have all the information that you need right there. Just go there and check them out because the app is safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. And guess what? For all you new customers, they have the no sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yes, I said $2,500. All you got to do is go there right now for all new customers. So, and, and, and if you're going to support Locked On, you guys have been supporting us. We appreciate you. All you have to do is go to this website, fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. L O C K E D O N is the number one sports book in America. And guess what? It is the official sports bet book betting partner of the NBA. Well, the Falcons are one day closer to training camp. They kicked off mandatory mini camp on Tuesday at the Benz. Pretty cool to be down at the Benz again, just to kind of check things out, especially because while there were four players who did not make it, of course, uh, Arthur Smith announced that early on just to kind of get that out of the way. We knew that Kyle Pitts wouldn't be there because, of course, he's still rehabbing. So is Caleb Huntley. So is Eddie Goldman. And, of course, Avery Williams is out for the season. But who we did see that was really a sight for sore eyes was we saw Cordero Patterson and we also saw Taquan Graham. And the reason I say that is because, of course, seeing Cordero Patterson out there, just kind of being with those guys, coaching them up, that's always such a positive thing. So that was one of the observations I made, too. And then I was watching Taquan Graham and his speed, looking like he was back to himself, right, in the yeah. drills that he was doing with uh, the the defensive front. So those were kind of a couple of the initial observations that I had. But one of the other observations that I wanted to kind of get your take on as well was a part of the conversation that was had pre-practice. And then you kind of saw it show up again at practice. And that was that conversation about just the continuing uh, camaraderie that is developing, but also understanding who the leader in the building is. Right. And a yeah. lot of that makes a difference if you know those things up front. So Arthur Smith talked about, the the excitement, the advantage of having David Onyemata on this side of the ball and not having to face the likes of him like you had to do the last four years, right? Yeah. And Grady Jarrett had mentioned it to us last week, but to see those two kind of jarring it, jarring back and forth in a good way and kind of conferring yesterday during practice, it was really cool because it also speaks to what David Onyemata said about the fact that Grady Jarrett is still the leader of this offense, even with all of these guys in the room, pro bowlers and future Hall of Famers, that's still the guy that's at the anchor. He's the core and he's the heart and soul of not just this defense, but I would argue even this entire team. But how important is it, Jarvis? And you'll be up there, of course, in Flowery Branch today, kind of seeing that interaction and kind of seeing how they're using TQ as well, hopefully. Uh, what would you say is how critical is it, A, for those guys to be communicating uh, so well early on and be for that entire defense to understand that as Grady goes both on the field and off the field, so goes his defense. I think it just it kind of speaks to the level of respect that they have for Grady, not just as a man, but as a player, because that's yeah. what matters, right? You know, like the guys will be a little shaky, you know, off the field. You know, they do what they do. But when it comes to, you know, Sundays at 1 o'clock, 
you know 9-7 is going to show up. And I think yes. that those guys truly understand. And I think that even speaks – it speaks volumes to what David Onyemata said when he was talking about how this is still greatest team because those guys know each other. Those guys interacted with each other, you know, not only – you know, going up against each – not going up against each other specifically, but, you know, the teams playing against each other in the division, you know, when you play for the Saints. But those guys, you know, you know, have spent time together, so they, they interact with each other because they have a lot – there's a lot of commonalities when you think about those guys, right? Because both of those guys weren't, like, highly drafted, you know, guys coming out, coming into the league and everything, and they've pretty much earned their way. They've earned everything that they've gotten since they, they stepped into the door. So for those guys to be, you know, on new contracts and, and, and having the respect around the league and, you know, Arthur Smith talking about Anyamata being a guy who's who's a, a mother blanker, you know, to, to game plan for, those things matter, right? Like, you, so now you have two guys in the interior that, you know, are in a space where people – other people respect it, not only just the fan base. Like, oh, yeah, great, it's good. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool and everything. You have the support. But when other teams say that and other teams acknowledge that, when they're game planning, that's when you know you have someone. But now the Falcons have two of those guys. And for Onyemata to understand, like, this is still Grady's team. This is still Grady's unit. And he's going to be the leader of this team. He just want to add to it. He just want to add that special, that specialness on Sundays that we've been looking for to you and, and clamoring for. Hashtag yeah. pass rush matters. Hashtag stop the run matters. All that good stuff. Hashtag get him on the ground. Hashtag get him on the I ground. I just added that one. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know maybe even kick him in the kick him in the butt hind parts a little bit. You know what okay, I'm saying? With like, that too. <laughs> along, you know we play to the, the echo of the whistle on this team. Like I would absolutely love to watch that on Sunday. So yeah, I think that when you have guys like that. This early on, acknowledging and understanding what the deal is when they walk through this door up at Flowery Branch, I think that is just going to do nothing but help them build that chemistry that they need to build as far as from a rotational standpoint, who's going to play much, who's going to play this much. And I think that's going to help Ryan Nielsen get this thing figured out pretty quickly um, going into uh, training camp. Indeed. And of course, Mr. Arthur Blank was at practice as well. And you could see him having some conversation with Grady Jarrett and the newly minted Falcon, newly minted in quotes, Calais Campbell. So good to see him out there as well. Also good to see CP back. And one of the things that CP talked about yesterday was he really doesn't care how they use him. Would it be good to be used again? Like he was last season in part? Yes, because you got him in heavy rotation. So who doesn't want to get as many reps and snaps as, as he can. And of course, 2021 was where we really got a chance to see, oh, wow, okay, he really is as versatile as they say, just didn't see as much of him. Now the question becomes, you may or may not see as much of him, but Jarvis, you may see as much of him just maybe more as a pass threat than as a running threat, right? But the good of it is the fact that he is there to round out that running back group, right? Because a bunch of them, Bijan Robinson, for example, uh, Scotty Miller, CP, those guys were actually going back and forth between um, getting some snaps uh, as return men as well. So I think it's really interesting. And the reason I say that, Jarvis, is because, in my opinion, if you're a Bijan Robinson, you can get as much information and you can soak up all there is to soak up when a CP is on the field, able to stand next to you. And I saw him giving him some feedback for reps when he was running, when he Mm -hmm. was in the slot, when he was uh, practicing with the return team. 
that to me is important as well to have that kind of veteran who has a very similar skill set to what you have and has been doing it at such a high level, not just across his entire career, but particularly to see him at his best in all three phases uh, last season. And I say all three phases, meaning running, passing, and of course, returning. And, and T, when you think about it, like, man, it's 32 years old. 32. So, yeah, like, so, yeah, and he just turned 32 in March. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not, people who are saying, oh, what his role going to be, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Because guess what? He's not the only running back on this team two years right. ago where he, it was no choice, where he had the doggone get the rock, you know, 15 to 16 times a game. Because, you know, Arthur Smith kind of kept him in. He even limited his touches back then, you know, when he knew he needed him. And he and that was pretty much all he had, you know, because, you know, it knows Mike Davis wasn't doing anything. So I think right now, given the talent that you have, you got a running back in Tyler Argier who broke the rookie rushing record that has been – that was had been around since before – you know, you and I were probably even born, T. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about that aspect of it, and now you bring in Bijan Robinson, who is all worldly. You know, he's walking on water. He's turning water into wine and all that stuff. He's gonna do all of that. You know, and if you if you don't if you don't believe me, go to um go to Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons. I promise you, he'll tell you all about what Bijan Robinson got going on. You know, uh, for the Atlanta Falcons this year. So I think that I'm cool. I'm so cool with. You know, Cordero Patterson having a reduced role, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, just from a, a schematic standpoint, right, there, Arthur Smith can play around with a lot of stuff because he can line Cordero Patterson up at wide receiver. A lot of times, like, when you have him and Bijan and potentially, you know, Tyler Algier in the game at the same time, that's possible. That is a big possibility. So yes. the formations and everything are going to be something that Arthur Smith is going to be able to play around with and, frankly, T, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to see how this thing plays out just from a, a Sunday to Sunday basis. This is going to be very interesting. Oh, yeah, I, I am, too. I think it's it's almost like a kid in a candy store, right? Because you you think about Arthur Smith and his ability, you know, to go with an 11, a 12, even a 13 package, if you will, is amazing. Mm -hmm. But the other one that I saw briefly yesterday and I had to run a little bit before practice wrap. So I'm really interested, Jarvis, to see what your observations will be from Flowery today. And that yeah. is that intriguing battle at nickel. You think about Mike Hughes and him bringing in being brought in. But yeah. don't forget, there's a D offer out there yes, lurking. I'm and glad listen, every day is every day is if you want to weigh in, or if there's somebody, if there's a position battle that you guys want us to take a look at and kind of hone in on, let us know. Drop that in the comments section because we really appreciate the fact that locked on and in particular ATL Day Ones is your fans' choice for everyday coverage of the Falcons and really any team in our space because Locked On, hey, you're our team and we are your team every single day. So don't forget to check us out on YouTube, drop us some comments, and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down in this show. Today is no different. And you know what, T? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know... My eyes a little watery, you know, because my allergies getting to me. But, uh, sure. you know, like, uh, Sleepy Brown got a chance. You know, he got caught up with in the airport. You know what I'm saying? They do, you know how to do the interviews in the airport nowadays. That seemed to be a real thing. So they started right. asking Sleepy about, you know, outcasts and you know, how they're going to get back together and do an album. That man said, and I quote, <clears throat> uh, don't do it to yourself. Um, it's not going to happen. If you want to see us, it's going to be Dungeon Family. 
He said, no, they not coming back together. T, like, why he had to do it like that? Like, why he had to put it in those words? Like, you know, there's always hope. You know, when it comes to certain things, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like all these old rock and roll bands that, yes. you know, did all these drugs together and split up for whatever reason, they coming back together. They touring, they doing that thing. Yep. But why he had to try to break a heart saying that Outcast will never put another album together? T, like, why you do us like that? You know what, Sleepy? I rebuke you. <laughs> in the name in, of Jesus. You, in the name <laughs> of Jesus and also in the name of hip hop. But anyway, yes. Yes. <laughs> here's the thing, Charles. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, my poor oh, friend. He's just, this is going to, he's going to have a moment. So you have your moment. Oh, but here's gosh. what I think too. I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose okay. Because we've seen it happen time and time again, where we've been told never, ever, 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 or ever, ever, or ever, ever, never. <laughs> and all of a sudden, put enough money on the table or put in a, a situation on the table. Now, here's the example I give for Outcast because I don't mm -hmm. think it would ever be about money for Dre or, or, or Big Boy, just keeping it real. No doubt, yeah. But what I do think is, what if Dre's son, like what if Seven, I think is his name, what Seven, if he yep. is mm -hmm. uber talented? And there is something where he says, I've got this idea. There's a track I want to put down, but this, this track can't be done justice unless it's Dre and Big Boy. Ooh. I could see him coming back for his That's son. Yeah. Same thing if yeah. Big Boy has a, a son who wants to go into the industry and it's a similar situation. Like That's where I can see them coming back together. I think the other piece there is this, and I thought of two bigs. You mentioned rock and roll, so I'm going to go rock and roll. No one ever thought. The Eagles were ever, ever, ever going to get back together. No Stevie Nicks, no Christine McVie. Mm -hmm. Somehow they got it back together yeah. and it was magic. So things do happen like that. And as a firm, diehard, any for lifer, New Edition is another example. Lord knows oh, they break Lord. up to make up and they <laughs> love to Bobby. say, yeah. Like, Bobby. what was that foolishness? One word, Bobby. Exactly. <laughs> really, it's just Bobby. Is Bobby coming Bobby going to be there? Bobby going to show up? never really do edition broke, broke up until about three years ago. Right. There was an opportunity, just real quick, there's an opportunity after the uh, miniseries to go mm -hmm. on tour. They could have made an absolute killing, but they couldn't get the absolute. dollars right. So much so that Johnny and Ralph went one way and then RBRM went another way. And I was so angry because I was like, how do you have the unmitigated gall to do some RBM, RBRM foolishness? Because yes. that's what it was for me, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now it's all six all the time because they got picked up by the right agency. They got enough of that crap ironed out and realized there's enough money to go around for six people because if you go to a, an arena, we will come and we're going to sell it out. And that way everybody gets their cut. So mm. thankfully it seems like new edition, any for life is now going to be an all six situation for as long as we have them on this side of heaven. So yes, sleepy Brown, I respectfully disagree and will keep hope alive for my brother Jarvis that his favorite group of all time and our guy, Andy Bunker, they will come back and one more thing, Jarvis, while I'm on a tangent, mm. I deserve another chance at Outcast. Yes, period. I know. Yes, for T, you know, not only for me, but T as well. And, you know, here's, here's what keeps me hopeful. Because, you know, Killer Mike just dropped the album. And, you know, Andy Bunk, I'm glad you brought up Andy because Bunk hit me. He was like, hey, man, have you heard the song? I was like, no, I have not heard the song. What song are you talking about? He was like. Andre 3000 is on the track. I was like, where is it? And I need to find it right now. So he's a scientist, engineers, Killer Mike. He's on Killer Mike's album. So he, he's a feature on there. 
And it's just, oh, it's just quintessential Andre Three Stacks. So as long as he's out here dropping features, I know at some point, I don't care if I'm 50 years old or 60 years old, T, I will be at that doggone concert. I will Same. buy that album. Same. Who knows where albums will be bought by then? You know what I'm saying? I, know, I still right? struggle with buying albums and where to buy them nowadays. So, you know, we'll 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 figure it out when we get there. But yeah, yeah, sleepy man, you need to chill out, bro. You trip. Yeah. Come on. Let it man. go. Let it go. But what we won't let go of is the fact that the the Braves, although it may have taken them 24 hours, they will avenge that crazy loss in extras from yes, Monday to the Tigers, indeed. hopefully by getting one, if not two games in this doubleheader today. Uh, the first game, Jarvis has a first pitch at 110. That'll mm-hmm. be still Spencer Strider against yes. Reese Olsen. But the second game, actually, we just got confirmation that it is now Dylan Dodd instead of AJ okay. Smith-Shaver, who's okay. going to get that starting game two against Michael Lorenzen. So, we will be debriefing on that. Jarvis is headed up to Flowery. Safe travels, my friend. Can't wait to hear what you got to say about your observations from day two of mandatory minicamp. And we'll bring you any and everything that is all things sports Atlanta, you everydayers, because we appreciate you guys. And we will see you tomorrow. Absolutely. And make sure if you don't do anything else with your lives, share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.